0: Captain Cain Greetings, listeners. It's Monday evening, October twenty fourth. In the year 2022, this is your Capitan, Michael Cave. And uh, I am now a founder of a new little business I started up, it's called Captain Caveman Ventures. And now this podcast will be something that's under that. All that fun stuff aside, guess what? I'm still sailing and I brought on a very special guest and somebody, it's a blast from the past, from my Virginia days. Really excited to have him aboard. His name is Courtney Heath. Courtney? How the hell are you welcome aboard my vessel
1: how you doing how you doing Mike long time new here man been doing good my ups and downs but hey I'm here healthy I'm strong and I'm still surviving
0: yeah well hopefully we can unpack some of those ups and downs you know if you're if you're willing I think uh, it would be Good content for the high seas, but I'm excited to chat with you tonight. But before we get in to that and set sail, actually, what I really want to do is familiarize you with the accommodations aboard my fine vessel. For starters, we have a full menu. Whatever you want to eat, my man, whatever you want to drink, And even if you want dessert, I know you're big on fitness and working out, but I know you also have cheat days. So I expect to hear from you something delicious to eat, something delicious to wash it down with, and then some comfort dessert. So what are you having to eat and drink and for dessert aboard my vessel, man?
1: Uh, You actually got me on a a real good day. Today's a cheat day. So I'm gonna go simple. I'm just gonna go nice cheese pizza, nothing too complex. It's like one of my comfort meals, you know, something that I go to mainly to drink. I appreciate it. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, it depends on, you know, if my wife is with me, you know, so of course she goes <laughs> to the wine selection. But okay. uh, since she wants to go to sleep with me early tonight, we'll probably go with something simple. Probably like these body armor things that I get from 7 Eleven. I right. you got your amino acids in it a little bit of caffeine get the, <laughs> right. get the bones going a little bit we getting up there in age can't believe I'm saying that
0: but that's true
1: time flies
0: time flies you ain't lying but uh, I got the grades to prove it my man I got the grades to prove in? it um, yes and I got the, the glasses you know the, the prescription glasses we all um, starting to rock those now you
1: know I mean, I've been trying to deny those for way too long but uh, I was just <laughs> I was in surgery the other day and not all the time but my job are we right beside the doctor you know some of the times you know we'll get into it we gotta be on what they call the stem box so we're actually stimulating the heart and sending signals to the heart you know to make it do certain things and looking at that screen for 10 to 12 hours a day yeah I noticed you know the migraines creeping in so I had to go ahead and break down and go to um, the Vision place the other day.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. So uh, another feature of the Vessel is uh, I have a virtual jukebox. You can play whatever music you want. and give you a virtual token. What are you playing when you pop that in? Is it something related going, to surgery or no?
1: I'm going Anita Baker right now to rap to album. That's what we was playing in surgery last Friday. I was off today, so... I'm still feeling that one right now. We ain't make our way through the the whole album, so it's still
0: doing Anita Baker right there. Mm. Beautiful voice, beautiful voice. Yes. Well, thank you very much, and we are really ready to set sail now. So, for our listeners, Courtney and I have known each other a long time. This is like pre-facial hair. This is pre-puberty yes. and mutual friends, the Browns. Used to go to the Browns after church and hang out in that neighborhood. Believe it was off of uh, Chesapeake Boulevard.
1: Yep. Orange Street. Actually, my family still no no. It's one other family. They're still there. Mom and Dad paid off the house, so you know they're being stubborn and not wanting to you know venture out and get new mortgages and everything. But it's two families still left on that block from the original crew that we were
0: wow i just remember breaking a window over there
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that did not feel good anyway wow so okay that's how we know each other and believe also high school but tell me a little bit about your journey i mean obviously you're you have a very interesting profession now and i'm really <sighs> excited to hear about that but what other stops along the way if you want to call them it's yeah, call. Yeah, What have you been up to?
1: It's kind of funny, man. Coming out of high school, I just kind of knew I was going to play football. I was always above average good, always started, always was where I was supposed to be. And then I noticed around 11th, or 12th grade, I stopped growing did not know why i did not find out why so i was 26 27 years old but yeah you know, we'll get to that hmm. Yeah. You know, so yeah you know, i was you know six feet 225 250 foot on longest. yeah you know, my brother six three you know i got cousins six five six six you know so i'm kind of like you know the runt of the family believe me <laughs> I, I say that you know people laugh like you're the runt but if you, look around my family, you will see why I say that, you know?
0: Right, big the, guess.
1: Didn't get the football scholarship that I wanted. I didn't want to play. I got a couple scholarships to like, you know, Bridgewater University and things like that. But, you know, I just always had that, you know, that medical sense of medical knowledge that why go out there and break my neck for Division three football and I'm never going to make it. Right. Uh, everybody in my family is, you know, not everybody, but a good part of my family is in the medical field. So, I I don't know. I was like I was kinda drawn to it, you know. So I went to, went past that recruiter place on military highway one day and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go in the Navy. Let's get out of here. Figure out what I wanna do in four years. You know, I was very upset. I had no plan other than four. No plan. Oh man. I just knew I was gonna make it. Went in there, you know, you're looking through the jobs, and somehow I found hospital corpsman. But not only did I find the hospital corpsman route, you know, it was called a tar corpsman at the time. So what a tar corpsman was is they were active duty reservists. So I went to work every day like an active duty military personnel, but I was still attached to like a reserve, reserve command. So okay. I couldn't go everywhere and basically it made it almost impossible for me to go out to sea and that's basically what i wanted you know stay in the area you know but you know figure out what i wanted to do with life and then go you know so yeah went off you know to the military completed basic training um in 98 uh, july of 98 i left. um you know we graduated you know june of 98 so I pretty much just left, you know, right after graduation. Went to a core school that was all in Great Lakes, you know, freezing cold. Found out what real cold weather was, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, there's
1: no, there's no cold, like, you know, Chicago cold. Like, I, oh I thought I knew what winter was, you know. And there was no, no kind of coat jacket or anything that could stop that wind off of the Great Lakes, you know. So completed <laughs> core school. Uh, and actually came back here and um, made you know Portsmouth Naval. You know we opened up the Portsmouth Naval of what it was now because before, back in the day, all we had was Sewell's Point that was off of Hampton Boulevard. So that's the only right. clinic the military actually really had around here. Right. And they were, it was a building called Portsmouth Naval, but it wasn't the Portsmouth Naval Hospital that we know now. Yeah. So we all went there. And uh, I forgot what popped off. I want to say it was like the first, uh, I forgot what war popped off. Something popped off in the Middle East and they needed our unit to go active duty. And uh, they gave us a choice. Either you could go active duty or you can just get out. You know. And I just chose to get out. I didn't want to go to war. You know. Right. I honestly didn't want to be in the military. You know, but, uh, you know, I, I, I had no plan. So I got out and I went to Circuit City right there off of Little Creek Road for a while. Uh, great manager by the name of Patrick Lilla. You know, I, I owe him a lot. You know, he took me in um, and uh, while I was in high school, I was doing HVAC. Um, so I kind of knew my way around electrical a little bit. You know, but, you know, I was just doing that just to get out of school. You know, because back then when we went to Votech, you know, we you only went to school like three or four classes and then you went to Votech in the afternoon. Yeah, so I just, you know, did that because, you know, coming from Christ the King, I had a lot of credits already because we only had like 14 people in our class. Yeah, true. You true. Know, so I, I went to high school with credits, you know, already, so I didn't have to take a lot of the classes that, you know, people coming from a regular middle school had to take because Christ the King had us doing, you know, Algebra and uh, Algebra two in middle school pretty much. We only had 14 people in our class. Yeah, so graduated, yeah, out of there with credits. So I went to VoTech and um, did HVAC for a little bit. And you know, funny thing is like, they gave us like a little summer job, you know, from going from our uh, 11th grade to our 12th grade year. And I went up in the attic, Mike, and I knew right then and there I was never going to be an HVAC person. (laughs) Yeah. knew that right then and there. You know, so like I said, you know, kind of a jack-of-all-trades master. I still carry my journeyman's license. That's one thing I will say. Every license I'm I'm telling you about, I still carry to this day because, yeah, I spent my time, you know, learning that craft and taking the test. So I'm going to keep it current. You know so yeah went to circuit city did uh car stereo for about two years and then i enrolled into a lpn class at a Tidewater tech right there off the military highway Um, it's not there anymore but it was a Tidewater tech right there by the bowling alley Uh, completed the lpn course uh from 2001 and became an lpn from 2001 and in 2002 I actually started working for a Centera, um, uh, Nursing Home on Newtown Road. <laughs> the funny thing okay. is, didn't stay LPN long at all. So really? They put me on no. They put me on a vent unit, and you had to, you know, work with patients with trach, you know, tracheostomies and things like that. And if you know any of your listeners who have worked on a vent unit and know you have to suction people with a trach they cough very violently and they have very thick sputum that builds up in their airway, you know, oh. because the hole is never closed. Right. So yeah, I was suctioning a trait patient and he coughed and it landed on me. Oh my God. Yeah, it hit me on my forearm. And I was like, yeah, I don't wanna be a nurse in here. <laughs> oh. yeah, so I knew right then and there being an LPN wasn't for me. So, oh. LPN from pretty much from 2001 to 2003. 2003, I joined the fire department, the no, fire department. And um it's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know there's a God, you know, and I, yeah, you know, very, you know, God-fearing man. And I know because this is, you know, this, The way I I fall, I fell into things, there's no way to explain how all these avenues opened up for me. Seriously. So while I was doing car stereo, circuit city burnt down. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes. uh, So (laughs) the car stereo part of it burnt down. And that's how I met the firefighters. And I was very intrigued by what they did. You know, so they looked at me. They looked at my size. They was like, oh, man, we got to have you on our squad. So they gave <laughs> me all, you know, they gave me all the avenues that I needed to have, you know, in order, you know, all the connections and stuff that I needed to have and where to fill out the application. So, you yeah, went out, fill out the application. Now, this is, you know, right after 9-11. This is 2003. You know, so everybody wants to be, you know. A firefighter, right now. You know, firefighters uh, are the biggest thing in the world. So I actually took the exam and the scope with 3,000 other people.
0: Oh, Now, wow. sure
1: was only hiring 60, I was one out of those you know 60 now it was guys in there you know firefighter shirts oh firefighter from this place that place and i'm like man why am i here and i almost walked out mike i swear oh. to god i almost walked out okay but something said just stay you never know
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know so i stayed you know and i was one of the 60 that they actually picked Wow. the crazy thing is, you know, so after they pick you, you got to go through the hiring process, you know, you pass the test, you're one of the 60, congratulations, you got to go through the hiring process. So, you know, it had been like almost two months, I didn't hear anything. And I was just like, let me call these people and let me see what's going on with my application because something just don't seem right. So I'll call the lady that was headed of the hiring process my like, yes my name is Courtney Heath you know uh applied you know I uh, applied to be a firefighter you know I passed the test you know and I was supposed to hear something about now and she's like Mr. Heath you didn't get my letter and I'm like no she was like yes you're supposed to tell you to take the test tomorrow at two o'clock and I was like what <laughs> yeah and I, and I just called out of nowhere Mike like something just told me to call
0: Interesting. And I
1: called and they had mailed the letter to there. I had written um, my address around, you know, down really fast. And I I wrote a three instead of a nine. So I never got that letter. (laughs) And I just so happened to call. And if I wouldn't, and if I wouldn't have made it, I wouldn't, you know, continued on.
0: Wow.
1: You know, so I made the call, you know, long story short, I wound up getting hired into the fire department, you know. And, you know, and that was a challenge in itself, but you don't have to be a paramedic so you can join the fire department as just a paramedic firefighter and you just get your EMT basic and then, you know, and most municipalities, you know, you got two guys on an ambulance, I think over there in California, both of them are paramedics. But over here in Virginia, both of them don't have to be paramedics. Both of them have to be an EMT certified, but they don't have to both be paramedics. So we have one guy on our truck that's a paramedic and we have another guy who's like, you know, the helper, he has an EMT certification. I think they're advanced now. Um, uh, And, uh, you know, he's just there to help to lend a hand, you know, and basically to drive. If they're non-critical calls, usually they ride them in you know, just to get a paramedic break, you know. But on the more critical cause, we ride them in. Uh, so, you know, I already, you know, I, I was already LPN. So I knew a lot more than, you know, what the paramedics knew. So I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to go to school and get my paramedic, you know, and, you know, and, you know, so I can be the one in charge because I hated being bossed around by somebody I knew more than right yeah you know, and I was going to these medical reviews from these guys making you know critical mistakes and I'm like I, like dude I told you we shouldn't have done that and I'm like I'm tired of going to medical reviews over mistakes that I didn't make you know so right. let me be the person in charge so I went to school got my hey, paramedic yo. and you know and yeah you know, it was kind of a double-edged sword kind of you know a great decision because it gave me my career that i am now but it was kind of a bad decision because that's what made me go down the dark hole that i went now that i had to you know soon climb out of oh you know and i say that because people think they want to see and know what we deal with as you know firefighters but you really don't you Hmm. know like my first you know the first baby i've ever pronounced dead you know was october the 16th 2006. those are things i should not remember right you know but i remember because those are traumas that i had to deal with as a person and back then, you know, I was in the old school fire department. You know, it's very different now. You know, uh, it's stories I could tell you that you wouldn't believe, that it would not go, you know, with no way, shape or form happen in today's fire department. And I know because my oldest son is now, you know, in the fire department. You know, he's oh, all okay. the woods, You know, but it's just, you know... It did, it did a lot of mental damage to me, uh, you know, both, you know, you know, and with, with my face, you know, with past relationships and things, you know, and if I didn't have, you know, my wife actually now that helped me, you know, pull, pull myself out of that dark hole, you know, I don't know where I would be, honestly, Right. But, you know, it was things that I've seen. You know suicide it's just you know stories that yeah you, know, you know it's just it's hard to talk about man you know because
0: yeah.
1: you know i'm looking at my son you know going through the process now and you know it was he had me to follow and he also had his uncle my first wife um You know, his uncle tried to commit suicide because of the things that he had to deal with, the demons and stuff.
0: Hmm.
1: And it's just like we have, there was, there's resources now. But back then, we didn't have those EAP resources in place to, you know, to decompress, you know. And it's still kind of hard to deal with, you know, certain things now. But, Hmm. you know, if I didn't do... If I didn't, if I wasn't that firefighter for 14 years, you know, I wouldn't end up, you know, you know, helping people in heart surgery now. You know, so it's kind of a double-edged sword, you know. Got it. I'm glad I went through it, but I kind of got, you know, I'm kind of reserved on seeing my firstborn going through it. You know, this is a kid I've never even seen get mad before, Mm -hmm. you know, and to know... Uh, He's about to see these things that I had to, but at least he has me, you know, as a backup to where I didn't have anybody who knew what I was going through or could understand what I was seeing. Yeah. At least I know and I could be there for him. But, you know, I'm going to need him to talk to me because I was very, you know, reluctant to talk to people about what I was seeing and the dreams and, you know, I was having and how, you know people would come back to me and I was you know having dreams and them coming back to me and, oh wow you know, yeah and it was very it was very hard 14 years like you know yeah lost the you know lost a lot of good friendships you know went through a lot of turmoil you know even went through an addiction you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know with it you know and you know, I stand here, you know, a proud man saying I am clean now, you know, I right. did, you know, fight, you know, the pain pill epidemic, you know, right. through injury and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't addict for five years, you know, and I'm not afraid to say it because I am clean now, you right. know, haven't taken a pill in over eight years, but, you know, it's those, those demons that they didn't prepare you for when I signed on to become a firefighter and you know
0: hmm.
1: the firefighter you know suicide rate is very high it's 46 percent. and i don't think a lot of people know that and it's 46 yes it's wow. because of things that we got to deal with that they don't prepare us for yeah hmm. and i lost a lot of good friends to suicide you know just because of injuries and they get hooked on pain pills and they just don't, they have nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. And it's kind of like you retire and it is kind of like, you know, well, thank you for your service. It's like, you know, like they do with the military guy. Uh-huh. You know, there's no avenue there. There's nothing, there's nothing else left. You know, unless you set yourself up for it. Now, you know, we only work 10 days a month, you know, so many of us had, you know, part-time, full-time jobs that we, you know, that we graduated on into
0: okay Uh,
1: yeah i got out of the fire department and i kind of stayed in the medical field you know i got out and uh i went into clinic management you know so i managed a small um occupational health clinic out in suffolk and um had a really great crew out there a great group of girls um had them all. and about time i left i had them all set up to where they had managed their own clinics. You know, one of them took over my clinic and um, I had two of them that went down to Georgia and they're still all currently, you know, managing their own clinics. And subsequently I left there, you know, and came to Centera to what I do now, which is an electrophysiology specialist. You know, nobody's ever heard of it. Nope. You know, (laughs) the funny story is, you know, I had updated my resume Uh, because I was just kind of getting tired of doing the whole clinic manager thing. It cramped my style, you know, I'm not the sit behind the desk kind of person, you know, and it just really wasn't me, you know. So um, I updated my resume and like in three hours, somebody from Indeed's called me. I said, hello, Mr. Heath, you know, this is such and such from, you know, Centerra, and I'm calling about you know electro you know electrophysiology specialist job. I looked at the phone, and I'm like, man, who is this playing on my phone? I actually hung up on a recruiter because I you know if you've been in the fire department, you know there's nothing. We're a whole bunch of jokesters, you know. And I was I just knew somebody found out you know or seen my resume and was just making a prank call because I never heard of electrophysiology never knew what it was you know so i hung up on a lady thank god she called me back you know wow because she gets hung up on a lot you know and you know she explained to me what the job was so i'm like you know i'm just a paramedic you know i'm i don't i can't do heart surgery and she was like i i understand you know you know how you feel about it you know but let me bring you in and let me show you what we do and you know they started a new on-the-job training program because basically okay. what's happening is everybody thinks of heart surgery and they either think of you know you know they hear like well, my my dad got stents put in or you know i got a All heart right. train well yeah. those that's the cath lab side of things so basically it's broken down like this. Anything that has to do with you know blood flow or anything like that is we call them the plumbers. And that's like the cath lab side of the things. Anything that's got to do with the electrical side of the heart, that's what we deal with. And we you know and that's why they call us electrophysiology We deal with everything that has to deal with the heart electrically. So there's two different sides of you know the heart hospital, but you never only really hear you only ever really hear of the Catholic side, because you know, they do basically a lot of the surgeries, they do you know, where we do maybe four to six procedures a day, they do eight to ten, you know, mm-hmm. so wow. you know, kind of the more glamorous side of things, you know, where, you know, we fix things like, if you have an arrhythmia, like AFib, you know, a, a great, you know, a lot of people live with AFib. You know, over 50% of the popul- uh, the population has AFib right now. And they don't even know it. Okay. You know, they just think, yeah, you know, oh, you know, I got palpitations or sometimes my heart skips a beat. Well, you know, if they go into their, you know, their PCP and have an EKG done, you know, yearly like they're supposed to, they would know that they probably have AFib. You know and at first you know we try to treat it with medication and if medication doesn't treat it you know then that's when you come see us and we either one put a pacemaker in or two do something called an ablation where we try to correct the pathway of what's causing you know afib to happen and basically you know just like you know electricity in the house it finds a different route to go around the heart which causes this you know, these abnormalities to happen. And so basically, we find those pathways, we get rid of them and try to recorrect the electrical pathway in the heart. And that's what I do daily.
0: Wow. Well, I know that I've seen you post that you've lost patience and it's frustrating. Tell me a little bit about, I know that there's gotta be this feeling like, you know that everybody in that surgery room has a role to play, and it's a very important role. And you feel like you let the person down, but when do you realize that it's really out of your hands?
1: Well, you know, it's funny that you say that. So, you know, I come from the 911 background, you know, so I'm already, when you could dial 911, I'm already behind the curve, you know, so I'm trying to fight to to get even with the curve, you know? So, you know, I'm already trying to fix things that's already gone wrong. Well, in the surgical field, you know, I just I just had this feeling like we have everything here, so there's no reason why we would lose anybody. And I just wasn't prepared mm. to lose a patient again. You know, I kinda, you know, I, I, uh, I don't want to say it the wrong. Way. It kind of felt like, you know, we had like the Superman complex because we have everything here if something goes wrong,
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, but, you know, yeah. And that I was, I would say it was about six to eight months in when I lost my first prison. It doesn't happen often, you know, and it's just, you know, these freak accidents, you know, when it does happen. But, you know, the one one touching, you know, one patient really touched me where, you know, I was just joking around, you know, with the husband 20 minutes before we wheeled her in the surgery, you know, and she was in for an elective procedure. She didn't have to get this done, you know, and- Oh, man. Yeah, you know, and unfortunately, you know, she had something wrong with her heart that it wasn't caught there, we lost a patient. And it was just one of those things I wasn't prepared for because I felt that we had everything in there. Like, we have everything. Like, we had to, I could, we could crack the chest open. We can do everything within five minutes to, to you know, to keep this patient's heart beating. But, you know, I have to realize when God calls, He calls.
0: That's right. And there's
1: nothing I can do about that. And that's, you know, it's something that I had to learn. You know, and I wasn't prepared for, it because I just felt like, you know, we had everything there to fix everything, you know, and I just, I didn't see that aspect as were happening to me again, and I wasn't ready for it, and you know, and it was a big letdown to myself because, you know, yeah, I I truly feel God, you know, put me here to save someone, you know, and. I feel that way just because Mal's always been drawn to the medical field for some reason. You know, yeah. my family never steered me down that path. You know, a lot of the females in my family are medical. You know, but you know nobody in my immediate family is. My mom can't stand blood, can't stand nursing. You know, she you know, she can barely change a diaper without gagging. You know, <laughs> and, and, and of course my you know my my dad's a career. You know, he's a cop in the military. now. you know, he's a cop now outside of the military. Mm. You know, so nobody, you know, around me other than Mrs. Brown was medical. Right. You know, uh, I've just always, you know, every time I've had that option to go medical, I've went out, you know, and certain things, like I said, when, with the phone call happened, you know, to where I know that's my purpose is, here. you know, to help people. So... Whenever I lose somebody, I take that personally, you know, because I just feel that, that, you know, God sent that person to me or that patient to me for me to help. Mm -hmm. You know, so I just kind of take it personally. And I know I'm not supposed to, but that's that's what makes me the person I am, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't try to do the job. Like, you know, to do what I do, most people go to school two and a half years for it. I I learned it with on the job training and got certified within a year. (laughs) You know, no schooling, no nothing. You know, people who do what I do, they graduate out of Centurion School of Nursing with an associate's degree. I just did it with on the job training. Wow. And, you know, so I take these challenges on, you know, head on, knowing that, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I've been sent here to do. Mm. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I when I took this job, I looked at my wife and I told her, I was like, yeah, I messed up this time. Because it was so much stuff to learn. It's the first time I truly, truly doubted myself. Oh. It was just so much to learn. You know, it was not only the aspect of, you know, helping the doctor. You know, it's learning the tools, learning the catheter, like for every surgery, if I'm gonna be the surgical assistant, you know, the guy right next to the doctor, I have to pull almost up to 50 items for each surgery. So I had to learn what all these items were. Wow. Then we got five to six different doctors. They all do stuff different ways. Mm -hmm. So you gotta learn what they want, how they like it, you know? And, And that's just one part of the job. Then it's the second part of the job, you know, the guy that's behind the control board, you know, sending electrical pulses to the heart, you know, so we can find these pathways and find, you know, where, you know, where these, you know, electrical shortcuts are happening so we can get rid of them. Then you gotta learn that aspect. You know. So, yeah, it it was very challenging. It's probably the hardest thing I had to do in my life. Because, you know, I'm 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 starting from zero. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and I was almost I wanna say I wanna say I'm the second person Center chose to do the on a job training with, um, because nobody hears of it. So nobody goes to school for it. So every year the school comes around, they get maybe five to ten applicants and you know, seventy percent of them fell out, you know, the first year. You know, and we need people desperately you know i mean surgeries need to happen every day we cancel on four to five surgeries just because you know things run long and you know people got lives you know they, they want to go home you know so yeah. we can't work but so long you know it's the first job i've had that you know i got a clock in time but no clock out time
0: Holy like, i know when i'm
1: supposed to be in but i don't know when i'm coming home wow we come home when the surgeries about
0: wow that's like the funeral business, you know. You you come, you come home when there's nobody else to embalm.
1: Yes, yeah, and it it's you know it's, but there's always you know patients there, and of course the doctors, you know these guys are robots, so they want to just keep on turning them out. But you know we don't make four hundred fifty thousand a year, you know, so we gotta go home.
0: <laughs> yeah, well. I, I took some notes here because you really unpacked some some fascinating topics courtney for starters i think uh the most intriguing thing for me is that i don't know if it's if you want to call it fate or just instinctively you knew that this was what you were supposed to do that this is what you were supposed to be or sometimes it's not even up to you. You just, you're drawn to this life. I
1: definitely, yeah, I, I think you're right there. I definitely know I was drawn to it, you know, and this was what I was supposed to do. Because like I said, I wanted to play football. You know, like I right. said, I, all, you know, I was above average, but I, oh, I forgot to tell you, I stopped growing. And I found out when I was 26 why that happened. So I was more on one kidney and Whoa. Over, I never knew I was <laughs> going in for ultrasound procedure because I was having a surgery done and so they was like you know what we just went man doing no, a regular ultrasound make sure everything is good in there before you know we do the operation so you know they're doing the ultrasound and the lady says so you're missing your right kidney I'm like nah it's there probably just, you know she's new you know so she just didn't see it you know so she's like nah it's not there and so I'm, I'm crunched for time so I was kind of you know being a butthole I was like you know what I'm sorry I know you knew but I gotta get back to work can you just go get you know the other lady the more experienced type Ooh. <laughs> so they go and get her she looks she's like yeah it's not there I'm like look 26 years old I wouldn't know by now if I don't have two kidneys so the doctor brings him out and uh, brings me out and said let's go give him a chest x-ray so we can show we can see show him so they do a chest x-ray I be damned there's one kidney there so I'm like holy hmm, crap let me call my mom so I call my mom I'm like mom why you ain't never told me I only got one kidney. My well, mom like, boy, stop lying. Hangs up the phone on me. <laughs> uh, yeah, So uh, obviously we got a problem with hanging up.
0: You know. <laughs> yeah, I <I'll So>, say.
1: <laughs> so I called back. I said, no, mom, I'm being dead serious. I got one kidney. I'm like, why didn't you tell me this? And she was like, what do you mean you only like? I was like, mom, I'm in the hospital right now. I only got one kidney. What happened? And, you know, she just starts bawling crying. You know
0: hmm.
1: what you mean only got one kitten i'm like look i'm looking at it right now it's only one there so i only had one set of adrenal glands one set of everything so you know you usually go through a couple of growth spurts throughout life you know your body you got two everything so your body like kind of switches one cuts on one cuts off right you know so i hit that one growth spurt for so like my sixth seventh grade year i went from like I 65, eight to six feet, 225. Yeah, you know, I went into high school and everybody's like, who was this guy? Even Steve saw me on a football field one day. I was like, man, you know, because <laughs> when Steve went to Norview, I went to Moore. you know. So, right, right. you know, we kind of, although we will always be tied together, you know, that's my brother, you know, for life. I see right. him, you know, I seen him in the gym the other day and it okay. was like, you know, no time ever went past.
0: Yeah. You know, but stuff. we kinda
1: you know, we went our separate ways, you know. And so yeah, it's nothing like playing your best friend, you know. Yeah, you know, your best friend for your whole life, who's the quarterback on, you know, your school's rival team, like Maury Norview was like the you know, one of the biggest rivalries of the year, and I gotta yeah. tackle my best friend, you know so it was kind of crazy but you know so you know 10th grade year went by and i'm waiting for this next growth spurt i'm getting stronger you know i'm putting on weight nothing comes 11th grade year nothing 12th grade year by that time the scouts already knew you know uh, he's done growing but i didn't find out why i stopped until i was 26. Mm. Yeah. You know, so I never had, you know, that second set of growth spurts ever, you know, ever come in. You know, so like I said, if I ever had a chance to do anything, I always went medical. I don't understand why.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, and I've always been good at it. You know, very rarely have to study. Yeah, you know, even though I had to study this time. Yeah, you know, this is a
0: there's a lot totally
1: there totally out of my lane. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff came easy to me. You know, and you know, and I and I will tell you, I'm very blessed by being able to get certified to do this job without schooling.
0: Because, yeah, incredible. It
1: was just, I like, I I looked my wife in the face and I said I messed up, right? Like, because I already had gave up my management job, so I, I, I can't go back, right? You know, and you know, and it was a pretty you know significant pay raise, you know. So we afforded ourselves luxuries, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was just like, what what the hell are we gonna do? Like I gotta work like four jobs. You know? (laughs) You know, you know, car, you know, car changed, you know, you know, everything changed a little bit, you know. So I was just like, you know, I had to put my big oil pan, like it's on you, Courtney, then you gonna either you gonna swing or you gonna swim. You know, yeah, and, and I don't sing. You know, I never allow myself to sing. You know, and with the grace of God, uh, if I had my wife with me, man, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I want to made it. You know, yeah, wow, a lot, of, a lot of hard nights. You know, uh, uh, of course, my co workers, you know, my co workers at you know Central Hospital are great. Yeah, right. they they took their time, you know, because to train somebody from zero is very hard, you know, because usually they get students who at least know what you know a catheter is, you know, or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, know, you know, a simple tool. I'm coming in there, might knowing zero. Wow. I'm coming in there, you know, just for instance, when you're taught to read EKGs, where we read them at milliseconds. But in the EMT world, we read our EKGs at 25 milliseconds. But in the electrophysiology world, they read their EKGs at 150 milliseconds. So it's going almost four times faster because they can see every aspect of the heart. Mm But we just see one wave as you know, EMT, they see every, you know, Every minute spectrum of what the heart is doing, on you know separate lines. So when the HM contracts, they see that. When the ventricle contracts, they see that. You know when it reloads, they see that. We don't see that in the EMT world. You know. Hmm. So, you know, I'm going from passing people up to get them to the hospital, to now actually fixing the problem. And wow. Those are totally two different worlds. Totally two different worlds. You
0: know, and I had to learn it from zero. Wow. But here's here's the beautiful thing about everything that you described on your journey, Courtney. I mean, uh, for me, it makes sense why you were able to take this on, why you were selected. You know, 3,000 people went to take this exam. And, you know, you were one of 60 people that were selected. And I also think that based on what you described in both of these cases, you've had people that you've crossed paths with in your life that have seen something about you. And I wrote some notes here and I said, you know, the people that suggested that you take these opportunities, they saw something about you that resonated and they wanted to put you in a position to pursue it, whether you succeeded or not. And then you have all this experience that allows you to Correlate and you know go from 25 to 150 or whatever it was, and yeah, you have to learn from zero. But you have this natural aptitude. I mean, clearly, trauma aside, which you know is, is good that you didn't go into the the military and then end up in war. I mean, yeah, you went definitely. in, but you didn't go to war because that would have yeah. been, a, I think, a different level of trauma. Oh, but best. that trauma. I think what it left you with was really valid data in terms of experience that would serve you later in life and later in your career. I mean granted you got some healing to do and some of the things you've seen I'm I'm sure that I don't you Everybody don't unsee it. Does.
1: Yeah. Everybody has healing to do. You
0: know, it's yeah. just
1: different types of healing.
0: Different types, you know, right?
1: It's different types. Everybody has healing to do. You know, some some are more traumatic enough. You know, and if if I make one point on this podcast is this, you know, in the African American community, mental health is a joke.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's always, you know, and I love my mother to death, but it was always the cliche, oh boy, you just need to go to church. Mm-hmm. You know? And if anybody hears anything I say is if you need help, please go get it. It's right. numbers you can call. I want to say it's either 711 or 811 now, where it's a mental health hotline that right. you could call if you want to commit suicide or you need somebody to talk to that will get you somebody to get you help. You know, and that's the biggest thing is having access to mental health. You know, somebody just to talk to, just to get you off that ledge if you're on that ledge. You know, yeah. I don't understand why in our community is, you know, it's not I want to say it's frowned upon, but it's just not talked about. There's always, you know, the cliche, just go to church. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, faith has a part to do with certain things as well. But faith, you know, can only heal so much, you right. know, sometimes. You know, you need to be able to talk to somebody to get that damage out. You know, yeah. and I just needed somebody to tell me that it wasn't my fault that you lost that little kid. You know? Somebody neutral. Well, first of all, I needed my wife to tell me I was messed up and that I needed to go get help. But you know, so the second part was, I needed somebody to tell me that it's not your fault. You know, and I took everything home. Every patient I lost, I took it personally. Oh. I knew, I just knew I did something wrong. So even though if the doctor told me I didn't do anything wrong, I would still go and review that case because I knew I had took the step wrong or I did something wrong. You know, wow. and, and it still, it still, you know, it gets me to this day. You know, like I just lost my grandmother, you know, okay. July 19th. You Sorry know, that, man. and you know, was, you know, that was a new challenge. That I had to deal with because although I have dealt with deaths in my family I have not dealt with I would say a significant death should I say like somebody that was you know very very close to me right yeah you know, like I've had you know aunt's dad but I really want that close to him cousin's die, but I really want that close to him
0: right
1: you know, you know Nora Robinson is why I am who I am today okay you know she was an RN but back in the 40s 50s and 60s you know where you know they're calling her the n-word and she still has to take care of these people with compassion you know and still live up to the nurse's oath you know what I mean and yeah this is the woman you know and it's kind of why you know I did my little last name change on Facebook just to honor her you know because yeah, I that she made me you know who I am and you know and Dealing, you know, and that's probably the second hardest thing I had to deal with because I had to actually go through the grief process. Right. And I didn't know how to do it, you know, mm-hmm. because at, you know, 42 years old this is the first time I'm going through it. You right. Know? And, you know, and, uh, it, it, it was hard, you know, but, you know, I got back, you know, got right back into church. You know, I had stopped going to church for a while. Yeah, got back into church. I got re baptized, you know, you know mm-hmm. and re-surround myself in faith. And, you know, I knew the dark days were going to lift, you know, at one point, And they finally did. But if I didn't have those tools that I used prior from when I was in a fire department and I got help, mm-hmm. I don't know I would be able to, you know, be where I am to this day. Right. You know, like, uh, when it first happened, you know, I asked one of my coworkers, you know, it was like, Am I ever gonna wake up and not be sad? You know, and that was the biggest thing. Like wake up and feel like, you know, you get a cliche, damn, I gotta go to work. You know, like I missed I missed saying that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I missed that being the first thought. You know, it was you know, it was wake up and wanting to hear you know a voicemail from my grandmother or oh, you know just remembering times where she was trying to talk to me and i didn't have that time
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know and you know and just regret those things you know right. and yeah through, you know, through faith i finally finally yeah you know, got back to where i needed to be you know and damn if i didn't put my own wife through hell going through it you know yeah, yeah of course she's a nurse too she's a nurse at chkd and okay. you know you know so she has her own thing to go through you know she just lost you know her grandfather you know last year but you know it just said it just seemed like you know she just championed through it you know what i mean uh, you know and i always say you know females can handle certain things better than males you know but i wasn't ready for this one like yeah uh, this point yeah. this was a blow uh, yeah, you, know, and you were right. You know, you got those key people in place. You know, that you can always go back to. You know, and you know another get down. Say is, people just in this world just need to stop shitting on people because Amen. you never know, you never know who you're gonna need. You know, and it's so funny because, yeah, I've been shitting on my people. And they have wheeled in, and they've been put on that operated table right in front of me. And they know it's me. And the first thing they want to say to me is, "I'm sorry,"
0: mm-hmm. but
1: don't say it now. You should have never shit on me in the first place, right? You know. But now you're sorry because you're in this predicament, yeah. You know? And yeah, people just need to be kind of like, if you don't have nothing nice to say, just don't say it. You know. Yep. And what you know, what my size, you know, so I have it, you know, workouts. and so, stuff. You know, I always just get this cliche. I don't talk to him because he's mean. But if if you get to know me, the first thing that people say, oh man, I thought you was this, this, and that. And totally opposite. You're right. I just don't talk.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what
1: I mean? Because if I don't say nothing to you, if I, if I ain't gonna say nothing nice, i that's not gonna say anything. But if I don't know you. I'm not gonna say anything, either. Yeah, you know, I just I'm not always the first person to speak. Right. Yeah, but that's just you know, yeah. You know, I'm always thinking. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm always in my head. I'm always thinking. So usually you gotta grab my attention, you know, for me to speak to you. But once you speak to me, and you know, I'll do anything for you. Right. And there's this, you know, I, recently I operated on a guy who sold me my car. You know. Really? Yeah. So it's like you never know when you're gonna run into people and you need people. So he was a great car seller. Great. I told him as soon as my lease is up, I'll be there to get another one. You know what I mean? And then okay. you know, two months later he rolls in and I'm playing a pacemaker. In. Wow. Yeah, and it's just that's how small this world is. You never know,
0: yes. know. Yes. Full circle. Yeah. That that is fascinating because I think we've all been in those situations where, especially in your career you just never know what somebody's path is going to be and when you might be working for them and you might have said something either positive that left an impression on them or something that they didn't like and it comes back to haunt you. You know, you didn't give that person the time of day when they called, you were thinking, oh they're just a salesman now and when they weren't Trying to sell something for the new company. They were somebody of extreme importance in your world. And you're thinking because they left, you could just blow them off. And it's like, yeah. you know what? And the
1: funny thing is, you know, the guy who sold me my car, he was like, man, I'll be honest with you. He was like, I thought you was bullshitting when you told me you did hard shirt. Wow. That's like, why? He was like, you know, because you're a brother. And I'm just like, but what does that mean? <laughs>
0: What does that have to do with... Am I not
1: supposed to be smart? Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. There's only two of us in there. You know, two African-American males in there. Wow. But that doesn't mean we can't.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's like, why are we programmed to think this way? And I'm programmed to think, I'm going to do anything I put my fucking mind
0: to. Exactly.
1: There is nobody who's going to tell me I can't do it. Yeah. You know, and I've always been programmed that. If I put my mind to it, I can achieve anything.
0: That's me too. It must be a Norfolk thing.
1: It's gotta be. You <laughs> know what I mean? It's gotta be. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because Steve got it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, why am I why am I not supposed to be here?
0: Yeah, you why know? why are we starting out not, with diminished odds?
1: Don't get odds? me wrong, you know. I might not be the most conventional, you know. You know, person in there, but that doesn't mean I can't do it. Like, we all are into different, and we all don't have to be nerds. Like, you know, we got your ultra-smart guys in there who, who, you know, pretty much you think they want the the autistics. You know, they're so smart, they got to be autistic. You know, and then you got, like, your regular dudes who just, like, watching football and hanging out on the weekend. This right. It's a huge spectrum. So why can't we fit into that spectrum? I don't understand that. You yeah, and I you know, so it's like, well, now you know the next time somebody tells you that they do heart surgery, that you know they're not necessarily lying.
0: Wow, but well, I use okay. that shit as motivation, man. I'm just oh, keeping definitely. it real with you. You okay. know, it's like, you know, what, what the fuck? Where did you get that data?
1: Because you know? in the in, a, in my field, there's, there's in my my field, there's infinite positions. I can go be a rep, one of these guys who in there that's with us who do the heart cert. I mean, who um, who you know sell the pacemakers, so they're there to help us program them. You know, I can go do that. I can be you know part of the group that designs these things, like in my field, or I can go to the cast lab side if I wanted to. Like, there's you know, the the positions are are there to be had and if people out there in the medical field are looking for something new the electrophysiology and cath lab is where it is we're always hiring we can mm. never get enough people because i'll put it to this way i think i heard the doctors talking we're booked all the way till january of 2024.
0: good night huh.
1: yes we're booked to 2024 so the only way you're getting in is if it's like an extreme emergency wow yeah you know so you know the field is limitless the money potential is limitless now the family you know the family the, the work well you know family balance
0: yeah yeah
1: you know,
0: everybody Sacrifices work,
1: there. Or not. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, and I'm guilty of it too, you know, you know, I go, I do 12 hours there and sometimes, you know, I try to go get my work out and sometimes the wife will be like, look, I just need you to stay home today. You know, sometimes you just got to be mindful of that, you know. Yeah. But yeah, the biggest thing is communication. When she needs me to stay home, I just need her to help me, you know, and you know, we had to have some work on that, you know, like all marriages, Yeah, you know, everybody goes through their ups and downs. Right you know but yeah communication and just being kind to people is the biggest thing like we just gotta stop shitting on each other
0: i I love it race i love it and i think that it's a sign of the times you know the pandemic has people shitting on one another more now than ever and i think the scary part of it is getting back to the mental health piece you never know just how deep into the dark rabbit hole somebody is And like, you that, know, COVID,
1: uh, you know, I I was, I was, you know, I was one of the, you know, the, you know, the lucky ones who didn't fall into that black hole of the, you know, of the whole COVID. And because I had a family to come home to. Right. You know, I was in the medical field, so I was still making money. Yeah. You know, but those people who were single and didn't really have, you know, a job to go to and just, just shut in the house. Oh, man. You know, they went through it you know and that's a whole nother form of mental health things that people got you know now I did get one component of it I got anxiety with crowds now I don't do well in crowds Hmm. you know like I'm looking at people's foreheads you know like it's gotten better now but like when they first let us outside I was like oh man this dude's sweating this dude got a fever you know like I couldn't (laughs) go to Bush Gardens like that was out like going to the mall like my wife had to hold my hand, like I was having panic at that. Like I could not go in public. Wow. You know? and it took me a while, you know, to get reacclimated to being around people. I mean, it was two years. You know, two years that I was around maybe five people at the most. Wow. Yeah, and now to get me in a crowd as big as I am, yeah. you know, I was like, Yeah, that didn't work. And then people wanna come up to you and ask you questions about lifting weights and all this and Nah, bro. I I can't talk to you. I was running.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, for the listeners, uh, Courtney works out, you know, he's dedicated to the craft uh, in the profile photo. You could kind of tell yeah, he's got one of those gigantic biceps, but <laughs> yeah, he puts in the work and uh, I don't know how you do it, man. I tip my hat to you because with the job that you have, and probably as exhausted as you are, oh, you yeah. still, you yeah, must I mean, have to wearing, to get it in.
1: We're wearing lead vests, you know, 10, 12, cause you know, we gotta, we gotta, yeah, we're an x-ray, so. Right. You gotta wear the lead protection, which is usually about 30 to 45 pounds of lead that we gotta put on, you know. I'm used to that from the fire department, you know, putting right. on the fire department. But it's still, it's still very, very taxing. And honestly, Mike, I don't know how I do it. You know, I think it's, you know, the whole addictive part. You know, like, you know, when you got an addictive personality, it never really goes away. You just get addicted on something else, you know, and I choose not to get addicted to drugs, you know, or, you know, prescription pain medics. You know, I just, yeah, I got addicted to the gym, you know. But, you know, some days like today, you know, I'm like, fuck it, I'm not going. You know, but I'm able to do that, you know, and not have to have, you know, worry about having consequences from it. You know, so I still make sure I go, you know, four to five times, you know, but hey, if I hit four that week, it's good, you know. Wow. Yeah, I just watch what I eat during the day, you know, and my wife stayed home all day, you know, but it was something that she needed, you know.
0: Well, I have a burning question for you, my man, before we dock the boat. This has been great, by the way, really deep waters we sailed off into. And I think, uh, you know, the further we got out the sea, the the more insightful and impactful the content got. So thank you for that. But uh, here's my question regarding your job. So are you allowed to stay hydrated? And how do you, with those long of a surgeries, that many surgeries, do you get bathroom breaks?
1: all right so that's it's funny that you asked that (laughs) breaks is one of the things we're kind of fighting for now you know we get one 30 minute lunch sometimes wow you know so you know i will say this you know it's very hard it's very stressful and i don't see another way it can work you know, because we're so understaffed, you know, we're scheduled on lunch, but what you got to realize is the longer you stay on break, the longer you stay at work, you know, and wow. but it's another, it's a catch 22, you know, a lot of the doctors get paid by procedure. So, they want to keep working where we want to go home. And, you know, there's rules that sometimes get twisted, you know. So, long story short, you know, it's kind of survival of fitness. If you got a minute, you go use the bathroom, you know. Wow. I put it to you this way I lost 17 pounds working there because I can't eat like I need to. Mm. You know, (laughs) I was a lot bigger before I started working there. Because I can get, I could eat every three hours. You know, I could get my meals in. You know, as it is now, you know, I wake up in the morning, you know, I get my protein shake, you know, I get dressed on the way to eating, I can eat again at lunchtime. And oh, you know, until usually I get home, you know, I get a protein shake after workout. But by that time, it's 10, 11 o'clock at night. So, you know, it's, you know, it's time to go to bed. So, wow. yeah, I'm mostly at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, I'm ready to refrigerator, you know, get something to eat and laying back down. Yeah, so I try to eat while I can. But, yeah, it's kind of survival of the fast. You know, some of the surgeries last four to six hours. You know and then we got to turn the rooms over you know so we got 30 minutes in between surgeries to get the get everything prepped get all our stuff pulled those 52 items we got to re-pull you know and get ready for the next surgery wow yeah so you know and sometimes the doctors complain and say 30 minutes is too long you know so wow it, it's hard it's very hard it's very stressful you Damn. know but It's also very rewarding because you're fixing people who've been on medications 20, 30 years, you know? And you finally get to see that other side to, you know, where they're in AFib, actively in AFib, and we're fixing, you know, these pathways. And you see that they finally go into what they call a sinus rhythm, which is, you know, what everybody wants. Wow. And you know, as soon as that person wakes up, they're going to feel so much better. It's going to be a new life, a new lease on life because they spent, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30 years in this rhythm that makes them feel like crap, oh. you know? Or you put in that pacemaker in that person whose heart rate is at 30 and it's been there for, you know, five years and they feel like crap because, you know, their heart's not, their heartbeat's not at a regular rate. And then they come out, you know, they wake up and their heartbeat is 60 yeah and but you you actually get to see that happen you know so it was kind of rewarding but you know half of the doctors walk with a limp yeah they're beat down because they wear lead all day and it's just you know something that you gotta go through but wow. that's what I'm here for I, I can't be here for anything else I, I can't be there's I like no that. way I'm supposed to be here and I, and I said that in my interview and they don't understand what, what i mean when i'm saying i'm like you don't know where i come from like there is nobody yes. in orange street that does this there's nobody in norview that yep. does this i'm yep. not supposed to be here but i know why i
0: mm.
1: yeah it's a difference yeah and unless you come from where we come from like they don't understand it.
0: Right. You, you hit you the know? nail on the fucking head i i this is an explicit podcast so we're going to let it fly like we have been but that's why I wanted you on here cuz uh you, you, you know we're docking the boat now but you hit it right on the head that that we you just you, you haven't walked a mile in my shoes.
1: Nah, you have. People haven't life, walked a mile in yours. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, you know, I you know I, I didn't have, you know, I didn't grow up in poverty, nothing like that, but I didn't get the opportunities afforded to me that some people have. Right. You know, I will say that. But I know I'm not supposed to be in here. I do know that. But I know why I am here.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's powerful.
0: Different... That's powerful. So normally, Courtney, uh, we dock the boat. And before that, we ask for words of wisdom. I'm actually going to give you credit for offering up several different layers of words of wisdom in the mental health arena. You gave some advice to where don't be afraid to seek help. Uh, You know, make sure people, this is what I heard, paraphrasing here, but are tuned into the frequency to get a chance at understanding that this is where you're supposed to be, that this is what you're supposed to be doing to allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to take that chance take that leap because you never know and of course be kind don't shit on people i love it i absolutely love it That's you know oh
1: yeah even in the gym yeah if they just asked for tidbits bits, uh, man how you put on that kind of size? yeah there's five minutes of your life people like five minutes god gave his life for us we can't get five minutes to people Right, you know, and I ain't trying to get all religious and nothing, but just think about it that. Like God gave us, He gave us His life for us. He gave us you know, His life. God gave His only child to us. We can't give people five minutes to ask or answer a question. Yeah, like it's just that simple, man. Because you never know when you're gonna turn around, you're gonna need that person. Yeah. Because trust me, you're gonna need them. Yeah. World is too small.
0: Well, I'm on a journey myself. Uh, I drive people around, and I provide this entertainment experience with my uh, my car.
1: Oh my yeah, model, I noticed that. That my, was my really Model nice. Y
0: Tesla. But like I'm, I'm creating these memories along the way, and the real magic, Courtney, happens when I, I I get the the honor and pleasure of transporting six people that a have never been in a Tesla Model Y and you know b get to experience more than just a point a to point b ride yes it's just it's the full experience so these man, people, how,
1: I, I also know you probably ran across some people that, uh, who needed you to talk
0: to. absolutely that that's where i was supposed to be this is who i was supposed to meet these people let me tell you what happened courtney i dropped them off right They're like, can we get some pictures around the car? They're taking selfies, I'm watching, the car's doing this light show. All these people are walking by, they're like weirdos. I'm like, y'all got the wrong perspective. And then they're like, can we get a picture with you? I'm like, sure, but you know, I can't find anybody to take the picture. Here's what happened, this lady walks by. I said, excuse me, ma'am, could you stop for a moment and take a photo of me and this great group of people? You know what she told me, Courtney? You might wanna find somebody else to take your photo. She stormed into the casino. I dropped these people off at the casino. So I'm thinking, you didn't have five seconds to take a photo of some people that were just having a, a world-class experience. They were super happy, euphoria galore, because you wanted to get in there and lose your money. So she shit all over us. It was disappointing, but you know what? Oh well. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, again, thank you for hopping aboard. This yeah, is nice great.
1: to you, Mike, man. I love getting, getting together. I, I love you know, seeing, you know, one big thing is I love seeing the people I grew up with make it. And Nothing makes me happier. Right. You know, because, you know, I, I went to high school. I went on, you know, some calls in high school with people that I went to high school with that were murdered, you know. And, yeah. you know, I actually, you know, pronounced them dead. But I I love, I love seeing us successful, you know, and that's, that's just not us. I mean, it's black talk about as people, you know, my wife is white. Yeah. My kids are mixed. You Mm -hmm. know, I love seeing people I grew up with just be, I just love seeing people be successful. Yeah. Yeah, That's one big thing, you know, we're learning in church now, like, no, not being jealous of the next person because they have more than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know, a big day I'm learning now just be happy because yeah. you know your blessing will come soon
0: as yeah. long as
1: you keep your faith
0: and I think the flip side of that is you know don't be jealous and hate on people that are doing well or yes. are like in their moment with their purpose be mindful of those that have less and you know just be tuned into a different frequency
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, people who are doing good have problems, too, though. Absolutely. You just don't see them at that point. Right. You just see your life. But they have problems, too.
0: Nah. Yeah. Nobody's immune to that shit.
1: No. At all. <laughs> at all.
0: All right, man. Well, uh, the boat is docked. I'm going to let you off. All Thank right, you all you for listening. Hope you all got a lot of uh, insightful wisdom out of this. Thank you again, Courtney. Anytime, bro. All right, Captain Caveman out.